0: went with them to the house of God with a voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan, of the Hermonites from the hill of Mizar deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts all thy waves and billows are gone over me yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life I will say unto God my rock why hast thou forgotten why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. word let's continue in the worship of our second hymn based on that psalm hymn number 125 i beg your pardon hymn number 625 hymn number 625 as pants the heart for cooling streams when heated in the chase so longs my soul O god for thee and thy refreshing grace thy blood. John chapter 1 and reading from the beginning. That which was from the beginning which we have heard which we have seen with our eyes which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life for the life was manifested and we have seen it And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. May the Lord again grant us a blessing from the reading of his word. Let's pray together. O gracious and merciful and loving Heavenly Father, we come and worship and praise Thee, the source of every blessing, the fount of every blessing, the giver of Every good gift, and, O Lord, truly there is no shadow of turning in thee. Thou art pure and holy, O Lord, and a God with unbending justice. But, O Lord, we thank thee that there is forgiveness with thee. We thank thee that thou art merciful and gracious, and yet thy holy laws were never compromised. O Lord, we marvel at such a plan of salvation. O Lord, we, in our mind's eye, go to Calvary's cross. And Lord, we read the record in the Gospels. O Lord, and we never tire of this when we read of the mighty condescending love of our Savior and my great love in sending him out from heaven, from the glorious courts of heaven into this world to be made sin for us. O Lord, we thank thee for such depths of love that we can never truly fathom in this life and even in eternity Lord we can never fully comprehend the depths of thy mighty love and and grace towards us needy sinners and we thank thee Lord that thou hast personally called us to thyself while we were far from thee while we were antagonistic towards thee and had no regard for thee Lord we thank thee for thy irresistible grace that caused us to bow the knee That caused us, O Lord, to look to thee by faith, to repent of our sin. O Lord, we thank thee for that day, when thou didst grant illumination and light into our souls, and brought us out of darkness into thy glorious light. We thank thee for the privilege of being called children of the living God. What manner of love is this that we should be called Thy children, and that we should have all the privileges of adoption, being adopted into thy family oh lord we thank thee that we as thy people are guided by thee upheld by thee strengthened by thee we have thee as our refuge our strength our hope oh lord we thank thee for the many blessings we have in this life we thank thee that thou hast not left us orphans we have thy very holy spirit keeping us to that great and coming day oh lord how we thank thee for these things but Lord, we also and we are often cast down because of our sin. We come, Lord, to Thee, confessing our sin this day. Help us, Lord. Grant us a greater conscientiousness, a greater zeal, and a desire to mortify our sins, our besetting sins. O oh, Lord, that we may make progress in our walk of faith. O oh, Lord, that we may draw ever closer to our Savior, that we may ever be conformed increasingly. To the image of thy dear Son, O Lord, that we may increasingly bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that we may be more patient, more long suffering, that we may be more loving, loving one another, Lord, loving thee more, O Lord, having greater faith in thy promises, proving thy promises. Lord, help us. How often we fail thee, how often our faith gives way to doubt. O Lord, wash us clean and sanctify us and help us, Lord, to be all the more pleasing in thy sight. We confess, Lord, that without our precious Lord Jesus Christ, we can do nothing. Teach us, Lord, afresh to abide in him. Help us, Lord, to pray with childlike faith in our daily devotions. And, O Lord, that thy word may come alive in our hands as we read it, as we drink it in. O Lord, that we may be so blessed by thee and equipped for all the difficulties and trials of life. And, O Lord, that Thou would also give us that zeal and burden for those around us who do not know Thee. O Lord, who are at this present time far from Thee, without Thy grace. O Lord, help us to be those who point to the Lamb of God, who alone takes away the sins of the world. Help us, Lord, to be lights in this dark world, in this increasingly dark world. Lord, we do pray for our government at this present time. And, O Lord, we see the forces of evil gathering such pace and so much progress concerning the satanic plots of the evil one and we think of laws being attempted to be passed through and Lord we do pray that thou would stay the hand of evil and thou would turn, to, thou would turn upside down the plots of those who wish to oh Lord take away our freedoms to preach the gospel in this land and grant us yet more years to proclaim thy truth that yet many more may have an opportunity to hear the gospel of grace. Oh, Lord, have mercy on our leaders. Have mercy on those who govern us. Grant them wisdom. Help them to see the folly of departing from the living God. Help them to see the blessedness of the Christian faith and how it has changed this land and and many other lands for for the best in times past. Oh, Lord, we pray that Thou would grant illumination and Thou would bless our leaders. We pray for... The rising generation also, Lord, so many people, O oh Lord, ignorant and indifferent to Thy wonderful mercy and loving kindness and the great danger that lies ahead of them. Lord, a, a lost eternity without Thee. O oh Lord, have mercy, we beseech Thee, and quicken us as Thy people that we may have that burden to reach out to such men, women, and children. Bless this place, Lord, this house of prayer this house of god bless thy servants who minister in the pulpit week by week may they know thy mighty unction and the enabling of the holy spirit lord work in the hearts of those in this vicinity in this locality in Helsham. bring people under the sound of the gospel we beseech thee and lord we not only pray for this place but we pray for thy dear servants everywhere up and down this land who proclaim thy truth faithfully Be with them, Lord, we beseech thee, and grant them that mighty blessing from above. And, O Lord, that yet I may grant times of refreshing again from thy presence, and that many more souls may come to the Savior, even in these last and perilous times. Lord, we pray also for thy dear servants, our brothers and sisters in Christ, in places in the world where there is persecution, where there is war and bloodshed, O Lord, we pray for thy suffering people. Again, we pray for our dear brothers and sisters in Ukraine. O Lord, we plead with thee that thou would draw near to them and grant them thy guiding hand at such time of chaos. Lead them, guide them into safety, into refuge. And O Lord, we pray that even in the midst of such darkness and uncertainty, thou would be a light to them. Thou would grant them clarity of thought and thou would grant them protection if it please thee, and so grant them such a blessing upon their testimony, that they may be a hope and a light to others, and that even through this difficulty and hardship, Lord, the gospel may shine through their witness, and others may come to the light, come to the Saviour. Lord we do pray that thou bring an end to this war in Ukraine and grant have mercy and restrain the hand of, of evil. Lord we pray also for lands where there is great hostility towards thy dear people who are in prison at this present time and even tortured for the faith O Lord we plead with thee that thou would draw near thou art a very present help in trouble to thy people in trouble, grant them grace grant them such a mighty testimony grant them deliverance and freedom if it please thee, but O Lord that through their testimony thy word may not be bound and souls saved and the Saviour glorified O Lord do wonderful things and O Lord we do pray for Thy dear people in this place. We pray for those at this present time who are going through deep trial and difficulty, those who are going through illness. Oh Lord, those who are um, troubled in mind and heart and spirit and those who are uh, struggling with illness and all manner of difficulty. We pray for Jane. We pray for Zach. We pray for many others. We Remember, Jackie, in prayer also, O oh Lord, that Thou would be a mighty consolation and comfort at such a time as this, and Thou would grant Thy healing hand, and O oh Lord, that Thou would be with them and draw near to them and grant them special comfort and grace. O oh Lord, we bring all these things to Thee, and we thank Thee that Thou art the God who is ever with us, who will never leave us nor forsake us. Thou art the God of all comfort. And, O Lord, as we come to thy word now, we do pray that thou would speak to us. O Lord, feed us from that bread of heaven and sustain our souls for this coming week. Lord, we look to thee, we depend upon thee, and we ask these petitions in the name of our dear Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and for his sake. Amen. Let's come to our third hymn. Hymn number 690. Hymn number 690. Oh, for a heart to praise my God, a heart from sin set free. Amen. 1 and verse 5. The first letter of John, chapter 1 and reading verse 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no Darkness at all. And my title for this evening's message is Light and Darkness. Now, when we come to verses like this, um, I'm going to be dealing with uh, a few uh, ver- from verses 5 through to uh, 7, or God willing, through to 8 this evening. But normally, we'd be, I'll be inclined to deal with these verses in an expository manner, working through them um, in an expository way. But I'll, this evening I want to do something different. I want to trace the metaphors. The meta—here you see in these verses, and these are not the only verses. You see them. There are—there are in other. These metaphors are found in the other places in this letter, but just to trace the metaphors, the metaphors of light and darkness, because they're so valuable. These metaphors, um, and there's so much we can glean from these metaphors of light and darkness. Well, just to give you a, a background before we proceed further, and uh, just to give you an idea of um, the well, the, the the enthusiasm of the apostle. When you read the opening verses of the chapter, you can literally feel the exhilaration and the excitement in the tone of the apostle's. You can you can sense his excitement when you read the opening verses as he declares the one who was from the beginning, the one who was long prophesied in the Old Testament scriptures, and they, the disciples and the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, were privileged to see God in the flesh. They handled him, they touched him, and the excitement in the apostle's voice, well, of course, these are written words, but you can sense the excitement in these verses, that which was from the beginning. We have, we have handled him when he was resurrected from the dead, dead. We touched him. We handled him, this word of life. The living God who was long prophesied. And then his reasoning is this in verse 4. And you um, readers who love the Lord, you have fellowship with us. Um, These are mutual spiritual privileges. So you can have the same fellowship. You can have the same communion with him. You could know the same instrumentality we know. Uh, because you have access to the Father as well through the Lord Jesus Christ, so this is the reasoning of the opening verses of the chapter. But in verse five, it's, it there seems to be a diff, it seems to be a, a an entirely different subject. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. And why is this mentioned? It's, it seems to be entirely different from what he has been talking about in the opening verses of the, of the chapter. Well, it isn't. In a nutshell, um, he's been, the apostle has been speaking about the spiritual privileges that can be experienced by those who are in communion with the triune God through the Lord Jesus Christ. They, the apostles, have, have experienced the Savior at first hand. They've, see, they've looked upon him They were under his ministry for three years, but those who come to know the Savior, they can have the same blessings as the apostles had, as they come to know the Savior for themselves. But now we're going to see, starting from verse 5, the great contrast between these two classes of people, those who are in the light and those who are in the darkness, those who are in communion with the triune God and those who are not. And it's, it's conveyed in such an intriguing way. The apostle uses metaphors to explain this, and it's, it's, it's fascinating, and it's so helpful. Me- the metaphors in the Bible are profound, because um, somehow in a metaphor, you can exp- so much can be explained, and so much detail can be gleaned, and so many lessons learned, and yet a metaphor can be contained in one verse. So you see the divine inspiration of the Scriptures. Volumes can be written um, ab- about what the apostle is speaking about in these verses, and yet they're summed up in these metaphors. It's it's so uh, it's so it's it's so wonderful to look at and reflect on these metaphors, which we will do in this study. So we look at verse five, and we look at verse six. Uh, To begin with, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And verse 6 If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If I claim to have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I myself must walk in the light. And I'm sure you remember the verses in the Gospels. I just turn your attention to some of them. In John chapter 8, verse 12, then spake Jesus again unto them, to the crowd and to his disciples, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And in John chapter 12, verse 46, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. So these verses seem to be crying out for us to explore these metaphors more deeply and it's i think it's important that we do so never rush over the metaphors in the scriptures uh, there's so much we can learn there's so much we can glean from them it's tempting when you come to passages like this and you read you read these verses and you you'll see, you say to yourself well i already know what these metaphors mean um, light means purity and the holiness of god and and darkness Communicates evil. Um, uh, that's so I can move on past these metaphors and I can continue reading. But that's not how we should handle the metaphors. There is so much more than meets the eye, and the more I meditate on these metaphors and think about the con- these concepts of light and darkness, uh, the more spiritual and, and the spiritual meaning of them, or the more I'll learn. So why are true believers in Christ, depicted as those who are walking in the light? And why are those who are not Christians depicted as those walking in darkness? What's the difference between these two classes of people, those who walk in the light and those who walk in the darkness? What does it mean to walk in the light? And what does it mean to walk in the darkness? What are the implications? This is what we'll be exploring uh, this evening. So let's look look at verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth. When you think of darkness what comes to mind? It's all dark you can't you can't see anything around you it's complete darkness. Well deception of course. In the darkness you can be easily deceived. Thieves prefer to break in to houses at night where no one can see them. So deception Things are done in secret. Things are easily concealed in the dark. Dishonesty, concealment, confusion, of course. Uh, if you can't see things, you can stumble over them and there's confusion and chaos. So that's, that, you can associate those concepts with darkness. Uh, ignorance, of course, if you're in the dark, you may be ignorant of things surrounding you or your surroundings. So all these things can be associated with darkness, Dishonesty. Deception, confusion, ignorance, uh, and if you if you reflect more, you can probably think of some other other things that are associated with darkness. And well, we can take one of them and we can reflect upon them spiritually, and we can learn lessons. For example, ignorance. Those uh, there's there's such a thing as spiritual ignorance. That's associated. That's what it means when the apostle. That's one of the things we can glean concerning darkness. I'm, spirit, I'm spiritually ignorant if I don't know Christ. There are many dangers in life which I do not, I can, I'm, in, I'm incapable of seeing because I'm in spiritual darkness. I'm ignorant of these things. And there's even those who profess faith. And yet it is clear that they are in the darkness because they, they are still conformed to this, way of think, this, this world's way of thinking. They have not, their mind has not yet been illuminated by the Lord. So, these people who are in darkness, they are ignorant, and this this was the case with us before we came to Christ, they are ignorant of this self-deceptive mechanism in them. Remember in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And people who are in the darkness, they don't understand how deceptive their hearts are. There's this deceptive mechanism, and they don't see how serious their sin is. And because they don't see how deadly their sin is, they don't see how amazing and how wonderful the salvation of God is. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, we read the following, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Here we have this metaphor, again, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. They're in darkness. They've, their minds have been blinded by their own sin and the satanic mist. Satan operating in the world. In Romans chapter 1, we learn that our mind has been darkened by our sin and by the satanic mist, by Satan working in this world system. And we're governed by these things, but we don't understand these things. Things which are so profoundly obvious to believers. The spiritual... Truths which believers take for granted and we understand these things and they're so profoundly obvious to us are completely missed by those who are in the darkness. They don't understand these things and they're incapable of understanding these things because they are in the darkness. And of course, when you think about darkness, you think about deception, you think of ignorance, you think of confusion, all these concepts are associated with darkness and that's what it means to be in the darkness. It's evil, yes, but it's also and deception, but it's also confusion. It's also ignorance and these things, and they cannot appreciate these things. And we we take these things for granted as believers, don't we, that we can understand these things only because we're in the light. Had I not come to Christ, I would have never been able to understand these spiritual realities and these truths. For example, someone who does not know the Lord, someone who is in the darkness, They can be a renowned physicist with such a mighty intellect, and they uh, well, they've made wonderful discoveries in science and and this this type of thing. And then on the other extreme, you have someone who never who flunked out of who didn't finish his schooling, and he's a street street sweeper, and then he he comes to the Lord. He he finds the Lord as a savior, and that man. That street sweeper is, can make a whole lot more sense of why things are they are, why things are the way they are in the world than this great um, physicist, this world-renowned scientist with such a grand intellect. he can process the many issues of life in a far more deeper and profounder way. why? Because he can see spiritual realities. he's in the light, he can understand these things. whereas the, these people who are very clever. They are, have a, uh, and we admire these people who who make great discoveries. Well, mind you, there are many Christians, and there are many Christians in the past who have made most of the discoveries, but granted, there are atheists, and there are people who do not know the Lord, and they, they do, they have benefited society, but yet, if they don't, if they're not in the light, they don't understand the rudimentary basic things which hold a society together, and, uh, Cause so much blessing, even to those who are not Christians. You think of rising crime, and depression, and growing suicide among young people—not just young people. And what's the solution from the great intellects of this world, and the philosophers of this world, and those who make these decisions? What are what what are the solutions? Well, we need to we need more police on the street, and we need uh, cr- to create more jobs for young people, and we need. Uh, to support these charities, uh, these sporting charities and these charities that have activity based charities to get the young off the streets, this is what we should do. Well, friend, we know better than that. It's, it's like giving someone with a life threatening disease a paracetamol. You know, it may anesthetize the pain, but that's not the solution to the problem. But these great intellectuals, and they're very clever and they're very capable in the many areas, but it's so clear to us who are in the light what the real problem is. Society and individuals desperately need the gospel. They need heart surgery. That's the issue. That's the real problem. And if if the Bible was respected and in schools and in society, we wouldn't need the fraction of we, we would only need a fraction of the police on the streets than we do now. And but those who are in the darkness, they just can't simply see this because they are in the darkness. In fact, the gospel is, isn't even an option on the table for the solutions and the ills of society. Doesn't it re- remind you of the Pharisees in, in, in the day of Christ when, when um, the Lord rebuked them by saying, the stone, the, the stone which the builders rejected has become the, the head of the corner. And that, that's what, that's what our, uh, lead, those who govern over us and, the, those, and the, those who, the trendsetters of this day, that's what they're guilty of. They discard the gospel and they they repudiate it and they think this is the last thing that we need and yet they do not realize this is the head of the corner. This would radically change society for the better and people's lives and yet they discard it um, because they are in the darkness. And also I've already mentioned this deception and concealment, deceit. This is associated with darkness also. Why do people reject this wonderful message of salvation, that they can be reconciled, that they can have everlasting life. Why would anyone want to reject a message like this? Well, without the grace of God, we would all do this. We would all be antagonistic towards the truth. But why? Well, because there's no evidence for the Bible. Or because science has proved the Bible and God to be wrong. Well, of course, that's ridiculous. But that's what people say. And this is the, this is the self self deception self deceptive mechanism operating in the human heart again they 're being dishonest and maybe they 're not they 're not fully aware of this, although deep down they 're aware that they're being dishonest they're not the, they 're not they don 't realize that it 's not an intellectual problem, but it 's a moral problem. This is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. I will not come to the light because i don 't want my lifestyle to be changed that's the ultimate reason all the time it's never an intellectual reason when someone tells you i cannot believe the bible there's no evidence i cannot believe god there is no god there's no re- that's that well they don't realize that they well that they, they, they haven't thought things through and they're being dishonest it's always a moral problem so there's deception this is what it is to be in darkness I, i'm deceiving myself i'm ignorant of the 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 one the this God of wonders and His wonderful salvation—I'm ignorant of, of the judgment coming. There's confusion. There's chaos. This is all associated with the with the darkness. Uh, so, and then there are those. There are many, and I used to be in this category. There are those who profess to know the Lord, and yet they're in darkness also. Because they're trusting in their own goodness, they're trusting in their own efforts. I I mentioned this in part this morning. Um, Religious duties, and yet verse eight warns us about this. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. It's not that people say that they're sinless. No one says that, and that's not that's not really what the verse is saying. But my sins don't really deserve hell. I'm not that bad my sins are not so bad that i need saving that i need that nothing there's nothing in me to commend me to god i'm not that bad well if i if that's my attitude then i'm calling god a liar i'm accusing god of being a liar my sins are so bad that christ had to descend us if anyone was to be saved god had to do something it has it has to be a gift entirely but those in the darkness even those who are religious they don't understand this they can't see this they don't realize that there needs to be genuine repentance and trusting in the Savior completely. Um, so, these these are so important. These things are so important to to grasp. Walking in the darkness. Um, what we we associate walking. Well, when you think about walking, unless we're sitting down, we're always walking. So, those in the darkness, it's a perpetual state of being. It's not as if I've quick, I've stumbled into a dark alley and I quickly see myself in the darkness and I, I walk out of it. No, to be in the to to, to be as someone who is in the darkness, it's a perpetual state. I'm always in the darkness. I'm lost. But now let's look at verse seven those who walk in the light. Verse seven, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So there's this wonderful metaphor of being in the light. Everything is seen in the light. Everything is crystal clear. Nothing is hidden. So this speaks of honesty. How can you conceal something in the light? This speaks of honesty, of course. It speaks of holiness. It speaks of transparency. It speaks of direction and clarity. Of course, if you can see everything clearly, you can, you can be easily directed. There's clarity. There's direction. A clear sense of direction. Imagine when I was when I was growing up, when I was when, when I was a child, I I I was scared of the dark, and I, I used to stay up very late into the night, and my mother would walk in, and she would, to her shock and horror, she'd see that I'm still awake, and I was longing for the for the for the morning to come, and um, well, this suggests hope, the hope of the dawning of the day. You're hoping for the that the, the day to come, and you feel the warmth of the sun's light. This suggests peace of mind and security because the dawning of light, the dawning of the light of the new day chases away the fears that are associated with the night. So all these things we can think about when you consider the metaphor of light. And this is what God has done for us. Let there be light. I was in darkness and God commanded the shaft of life to shine shine into my life. And for the first time I saw my sins for what they really were. I was in darkness. I didn't under the cover of darkness I didn't realize how deadly my sins were. But God commanded the light to shine in my life and I saw my predicament for how for what it really was. And in panic I fled to Christ. So this is what God has done for our needy souls. And initially when I was exposed to the light, well, I w- the the guilt was unbearable. And I felt worse. But from that same source of light, I experienced the warmth of God's love, melting away my resistance, my hostility, my fear. Now, there may be friends who challenge the notion of Christians walking in the light. They may say, well, it says here in verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness we lie and do not the truth. In verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his son. Cleanses us from all sins. The notion that. The, and someone may be challenged to say. Well. Christians are seen here as those who walk in the light. And everyone else is in the darkness. That's a bit unfair. Christians aren't, aren't sinless. They, they commit sin. So why are Christians classified as those walking in the light and everyone else is in darkness? What is the Bible's answer? Well, by Christ going to Calvary's cross. He went to Calvary's cross to be punished for the sins of all those who come to him for forgiveness and everlasting life. For we're justified through the shedding of the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But it must be emphasized, and this is so important, it must be emphasized that the evidence of our justification can be seen in the drastic change in our attitude and relationship to sin. It's, and and, and this, is an, this is an important point I make. Before I was a Christian, I used to justify my sin all the time. Uh, Christians can justify their sin, and, they, and the Holy Spirit can be withdrawn for a season, and they can know the Lord's chastising but generally speaking, Christians don't justify their sin. They come to the Lord for cleansing. And if I'm a blood-bought child of God, my relationship to sin is entirely different. I hate my sin. I can't stand my sin. I don't justify my sin like I used to. I'm not comfortable with my sin as I used to be. I used to love my sin. I used, my sin used to be my constant companion in my attitude and in my, and in my actions, but not anymore. Now that I've come to the light, I see how deep the corruption is and my relationship with, with sin has changed forever and I hate it. And I continually come to the Lord daily in prayer, unburdening my soul, seeking grace at the mercy seat, longing for cleansing. And over time, by God's grace, I'm being sanctified, I'm being changed, I'm drawing closer to him. This, is, this process, of course, we know well. It's, it's, it's sanctification and being made more holy as the years advance. Well, this is the will of God. In our normal darkened state, we would never view sin in this way. We would never be troubled by our sin. And, and we, we as Christians are troubled even by the, our thoughts and our thought life. But we would never, in our darkened state, think like this. It's only because of God's grace by bringing us into the light that we now strive against sin and the war has been initiated. This is by God's illuminating grace and calling us out of darkness. We now see the spiritual warfare. Well, let's look at verse 7 again. These words are so precious, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Whereas we draw to conclusion, we dwell upon the grace and the mercy which we experience in the light of God's countenance. In Psalm 27, verse 1, we read the following. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Maybe, and this happens to Christians, this happens to all Christians from time to time, maybe I'm bitterly disappointed with myself. And I'm exceedingly cast down. I'm profoundly aware that if I do not abide in the vine, if I do not cleave to my Savior, my, over, my besetting sins will get the better of me. And, and maybe you are cast down this evening. You're, you're frustrated with your failure as a Christian. My love is so weak. How, how my heart can, is so cold towards the Lord. I'm like Peter of old. Lord, stay away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. And sometimes that's how we feel, Lord. Why do you cast pearls to to me, who is such a swine, who I've I've committed so many sins against thee? Lord, stay away from me. I'm not worthy. And sometimes we're so cast down, and we feel this way. How, How I wish I had greater faith as a Christian. How I wish I had a. How I long to be more like my Lord, more fruitful for Him. And when I think of how far I fall short as a as 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 a Christian, tears start to well up in my eyes as I realize what my Savior has done for me and his, his perpetual loving kindness and his long-suffering with me. And Christians often feel like this, not all the time, but they, they go through such seasons. Well, what, what does this passage have to say to those in such a frame of mind? The following, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sins. Well, this is how we feel as Christians. Often we feel cast down and we, we long to make progress. And it's an evidence that there is a work of grace in us. And that God loves us with an everlasting love. And it's an evidence that we are His. And He is ours. And this happens initially at conversion. We feel dreadful. We cry out to Him for forgiveness and He saves us. But this, is, this in, in a way, is, is continues in the work of sanctification and throughout our Christian experience. So if you're cast down this evening and you long to make advances in holiness and you're praying to the Lord for help, well, you can go home rejoicing. God, who has started a good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. He has promised, do not be, do not be despairing. Know that the Lord is with you. As the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God rejoices over you. He has a jealous love over you and he will never leave you nor forsake you none shall pluck them out of my hand god has a jealous care over each and every one of his children he is a god that cannot he is a god that cannot lie and when i think about these things when i think about all that my savior has done to procure salvation for me at such a great cost and how he bears so long with me daily with the many grievances as a christian or oh, my sense of gratitude and what I owe to my Savior for such amazing grace. Or well, may this compel us to strive against sin all the more and have a greater zeal to serve him than ever before. Well, these are just some of the lessons we take away from these wonderful metaphors. Think about the metaphors, not just light and darkness, but whenever you come across a metaphor in the Bible, think about the metaphor. Think about what concepts come come to mind and you apply them spiritually and, and there are wonderful lessons here to be learned. And these are just some of the lessons we glean from these wonderful metaphors. And may the Lord bless us all as a result. Amen. Well, let's come to our last hymn. Hymn number 613. Hymn number six hundred. And thirteen. Thou hidden source of calm repose, thou all sufficient love divine.